now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Good evening, Southern California, and thank you, Mark Larson. Welcome again to another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, and it is a pleasure to welcome you tonight. Welcome to the alternative to Sunday night football. Indeed, it's Rod and Reel Radio, and we're going to make it worth your while listening tonight. we got a lot of great guests, a lot of information to share for you. So sit back and relax, get your favorite beverage, put your feet up, You'll be ready for a good time. Let me give you an idea of what's in store for you tonight. We're going to start off with uh, two guests from North Carolina, Gia Peoples and Leslie uh, Mossy. They're with the Ebony Anglers, and they are the first all-ladies black team to win a major tournament. They won the Kingfish yeah. Tournament back in North Carolina. We're going to find out how they came, that how that came about, how they got together, and what their mission statement is in life as they proceed forward. So the Ebony Anglers are going to be with us in the first hour. And then after that, Jeff Hunt from the Lobster Port. We're two weeks away from the opening of lobster season. We're going to find out everything we need to know, whether or not you are a first-time recreational lobster hooper or if you are seasoned. We're going to hopefully share some tips, some ideas, talk about some of the gear you need, and just talk about lobster hooping. So that'll be Jeff Hunt from the Lobster Port. And then in the second hour, we're going to get together with my in-studio guest, Rob Tressler. And Rob, welcome to Rod and Real Radio. Hey, John. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Rob, as you know, is a recreational uh, uh, fisherman, but he goes out with Lori uh, uh, Heath just about every weekend. They've been on the trail of Big Bluefin Tuna. We're going to talk about that. Stan was just back from a trip on the Top Gun 80. We're going to be talking about how that, and we'll try to give you some of the tips and what these guys have learned in the last week or so that if you're going to be going out, like uh, uh, Wendy Toshihara it is in the next week, you're going to want to look forward to so, what, to what's happening. But before we get on to the show, let me introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio. First, this individual is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT, pretty darn good fresh and saltwater fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, welcome back from your fishing trip last week. Well, you know, the first one actually for me this season because because of the shoulder replacement, but it was a good test drive and tons of fun, man. We had a blast. So fishing is good out there. You know, we kind of picked our way through bluefin and the, we chose bigger yellow yellowtail and, and played around with that stuff and got a few yellowfin in the mix. But we'll talk about that a little later. Now I get, I think I've got six or seven, or including a two-day 
uh, bass tournaments for TOC coming up here. So uh, between now and the end of the year, the last one is, I think, December 5th. So, you know, it's going to be busy, which is really great. It's going to be busy. And, you know, we're going to talk about this later on, but I am dying to hear how that new shoulder of yours worked out, Stan, and whether or not you were able to put the wood to those fish. Well, I'll tell you in a bit. All right. It's still, it's still attached, so I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, let's uh, uh, introduce our listeners to my other co-host. She is the national sales manager for Iserline. She represents many other fine products in the fishing industry. She's also an excellent fisherman and hunter, needless to say. It's our own Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, welcome tonight. How you doing, ma'am? I'm doing pretty good, relaxing at home and uh, having a good time here. Re- getting ready to uh, jump on a on the legend coming up on uh, this this Tuesday, and uh, we're going to talk about that at the uh, towards the end of the show. Oh, that'll be good. What kind of a trip is that, Wendy? Is that an overnight uh, day and a half? Uh, how, what's the duration of that trip? It's a day and a half. All right. You know, and we'll be talking a little bit about why those, uh, you know, extended trips might be a little bit better for going out and catching bluefin tuna and some of the other species that you like to get after. And that'll be all on in the second half of the show. But guys, let's get on to our first guest. Man, this, these ladies represent a group of ladies that I've uh, found out about a couple of weeks ago. And I can't believe how much fun they must be having competing in the fishing world. But now that they've been successful, all the other things that they're doing, we're going to want to catch up with them. Out of North Carolina, let's catch up with uh, a couple of members of the Ebony Anglers, Leslie uh, Mossy, and I think Gia Peebles is with her. Leslie, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Thank you, John. It's great to be on. And yes, Gia is with me. Yes, John, thank you for having us. <laughs> This is most excellent. I love this. (laughs) Now, you have been uh, making the rounds since uh, you won uh, this Kingfish division of of the fishing tournament in in July. And you have have been around. But I got to tell you, I just found out that in the first week of Drew Barrymore's new talk show, you were one of the featured guests. How good was that? Can you believe it? We didn't even know Drew Barrymore had a talk show until the producer called us and asked us if we wanted to be on the second episode. And in fact, she said that second episode will be tomorrow. So we had to actually prepare and send everything in and get ready for this on-air interview with none other than Drew Barrymore. We had less than 24 hours to do so. So it was exciting. It was so oh, exciting. Yes. It was almost like organized chaos. We were, <laughs> like, dealing in the emotion that we couldn't even believe they were asking us to be on the show. And at the same time, you know, trying to get five ladies in one room. Can you imagine what <laughs> during COVID? Can you imagine what that's like? But um, just, just like fishing, we made it happen. We just make it happen. <laughs> well, well, ladies, you know, you know, we've got two segments here, and it's going to be gone before we know it. So let's get started with a little bit of the story of the Ebony Anglers. Tell us about how they came about and what your mission is. Okay, so um, 
basically, this is Gia. I was down at the Big Rock tournament in June with my husband. My husband's been an avid fisher, uh, fisherman, excuse me, for you know twenty plus years. Um, and when we were down there watching the tournament, the first two days um, is the uh, Kelly Wagner's um, Lady Angler portion. And yep. so the ladies are coming off the boat, and they're coming off with their dolphin. I mean, they're just looking like they are having a ball. So we're in the audience, and I'm standing there. I look at my husband. I said, honey, I said, I can do this. Because I've been fishing with him casually for a while. And he looks back, and he just says, yeah, you can. I said, well, what do we need to do? He said, well, you got to get a team together. you got to get a boat. you got to get a captain. You know, he's going down the list, and I'm checking off the list thinking, I can do this. I can do this. Needless to say, there were no women of color. I was the only uh, chocolate chip in the cookie. <laughs> and um, so, so that made me, yeah. say, you know, we really need to be represented. Um, um, women of color have been fishing, you know, since the beginning of time. We just aren't represented doing it. So that was a little bit more fuel for me to make this happen. After I thought about it, I had to go down my roster of friends on who would be willing to do this for me. And hence, I came up with the other four ladies, and the Ebony Anglers was formed. <laughs> wow. That, that Ooh, sounds that's a great story. That sounds great. <laughs> now, uh, is this an all-ladies tournament uh, that you were fishing? Uh, tell us a little bit about the tournament and then what you were fishing for, and tell us about how you were able to win this event. So the Carteret County King Mackerel uh, and Dolphin Tournament is not an all-ladies tournament. Um, it is hosted by the Carteret County Community College Foundation, and we got wind of it, um, and it was originally scheduled for the weekend of July 10th. Now, mind you, Gia and her husband uh, were at uh, watching the Big Rock Tournament in June, so just four weeks after that, uh, the Ebony Anglers was formed, and we competed in our first tournament. Now, uh, the tournament ended up being postponed due to weather uh, the weekend of July 10th, but the ladies uh, and I just stayed and uh, fished. We went out uh, on the boat and fished and kind of um, practiced and trained a little, and then we came back the following weekend, July 17th, and uh, that's when the tournament rescheduled. And it was on that first morning of our first tournament that we pulled in this 48-pound king mackerel. It was about 8.15 in the morning. And mm. so our uh, fishing boat captain, Captain Dean, he was 80-plus uh, years old. Uh, he said, ladies, I think you got something. And uh, the... <laughs> The first mate, you know, he was on there excited. He said he thought we caught a, a shark. But once it got close to the surface and we saw the colors, uh, we knew it was a, a King Mac and pulled that baby in. It took us about maybe 45 minutes to fight him and uh, pulled him in. And um, to see an 80-plus-year-old um, fishing boat captain jump up and down really let us know that uh, we probably won this tournament. <laughs> Wow. Now, you've got to pardon us here on the West Coast. Uh, I don't know, maybe Wendy is and Stan, but I surely am not. I'm not familiar with any techniques that really work for fishing king mackerel. How'd you hook up this big fish? 
so um, typically we were trolling. We were probably about um, 30 miles or so off of the coast. We usually um, fish out of the Beaufort Inlet uh, in an area called AR-315. Um, mm-hmm. So we were about 30 miles off the coast. And, and like Leslie said, we headed out um, really early at the crack of dawn. Um, and we were trolling. Basically, we're trolling. We were u- the bait we were using was Menhaven, mm-hmm. and um, literally once we dropped our lines in the water, and we were probably trolling for about maybe 10, 15 minutes. It was the first one that hit, yep. and then we went to work wow. right after. Right after that, kind of reeling them in. I have a question. Yeah, Wendy, go ahead, Wendy. When you guys are trolling your uh, Menhaven, how do you guys rig them up? Um, do you drop them back far? Are they bridled? What do you guys do? Um, we do. We typically um, drop them back. We let the the so usually we use a pin um, uh, rod. Excuse me, a rod. pin rod, right? Um, a trolling reel, and we usually let it run for maybe about gosh, how it was probably not about mm, ten fifteen minutes out. Um, oh wow! And then yeah, and then usually and then like I said, we were we were trolling for a little bit, maybe at about. We were going a little bit slower, maybe about four or five knots, and then it hit. It just hit. We pulled the chum bag, too. Uh, we we yeah. had the chum bag, and um, I think that probably also kind of attracted him. But, but I mean, first thing in the morning, he hit hit that line and, and hit hard. Mm-hmm. So well, you, had, it was you had this big fish first thing in the morning. Uh, you still have a whole day, maybe a whole second day. Did you guys say, well, guys, I don't think it gets any better than this. Let's go in and get a beer. Or, or what'd you do? Actually, no, we, we're all such competitive ladies. I don't, I don't know if you all know, but we're all entrepreneurs. So even though that was our first fish to hit, we were like, we're staying out. We stayed out for um, basically about a six, six hours that day, and we kept fishing. We pulled in some additional um, Spanish mackerel, maybe um, – Maybe about four that day because yeah, we did go out the second day also because we wanted after thinking we won the the king mackerel category we then wanted to win the other categories too so we said we're staying out we went both days to see see what we could do mm-hmm. and the king mackerel is basically our wahoo <laughs> um, yeah oh the king mackerel they say have they use that in Australia they use it in uh, Texas and Florida in that arena down there too but a lot of the a lot of the boats like to run like that cowbell has been really really popular at speed uh, and they uh-huh. cover water with it so when you guys slow down like that you know give that fish an opportunity to come up and look at something live that was pretty cool that was great yeah wow. yeah we that got a really a, good fishing boat captain and first mate you know they with this being our first tournament um you know we really listened to um their expertise you and and we learned in our um training for the tournament that you know choosing a captain and a really a team that has knowledge and um you know some marine biology experience they know their waters they know their migration patterns that that really is helpful uh, when you're competing. And I'm a city girl. This is Leslie. I'm a city girl originally from Detroit, Michigan. So I was all ears. You know, we were all um, first-time competitors, um, even though we've fished, you know, just leisurely, all of us have. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just taking it all in. And um, I think we we were really fortunate to, ha- to have such a, a great uh, fishing boat captain. We actually asked him, uh, Captain Dean, what has been your best, um, your, your most memorable win or your most memorable um, time on the water? And he said, fishing with you girls, this win has been our, uh, my, my favorite thing. So that was really nice to hear from someone, cool. from a veteran of 80-plus yeah. years. Yeah. Hey, guys, hold on, guys. We got to take a break right now. Uh, uh, Gia and Leslie, can we ask you to stay on with us for a little bit longer? Sure. We'd be happy Yeah. Hey, we're speaking with Gia Peebles and Leslie Mossy from the Ebony Anglers out of North Carolina. They are one of the first all lady black teams to win a major event. And I think they have aspirations to go even farther. And then we're going to want to find out, we're going to have Wendy talk to them and see if they might have any interest in next year's babes on the Bay event, because I think they will be an excellent addition. So stay tuned. You're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM 540 or on com. We'll be back after these commercial messages. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality soft plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than two and a half million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto custom baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it for me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto custom bait. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Gotta love California in the summer. Just remember, COVID is still with us. So if you're going to the water, plan ahead. Follow local public health guidelines and make sure everyone wears a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. We all like to travel, whether it's for business or it's pleasure. But one thing we all like to do, it's save money. Well, we got a travel tip for you. Bill Boyce has put together a travel website for you that can save you a lot of money. You can become your own travel agent. The site is bookwithboyce.com. You're going to save yourself 5 to 35% on all nationally advertised travel rates. You want to uh, go to Mexico? You want to go to Hawaii? Bookwithboyce.com can offer you outstanding prices. And here's the deal. There's no surprises for accommodations, rental cars, or activities. 
So try bookwithboyce.com now and thank Bill Boyce later on. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself. Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit San Diego Blood Bank. Org. That's the San Diego Bloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, I think we're on. Welcome back to Ron Real Radio. I am your host, Top Long John Cassidy. Stan and Wendy are with me this evening. And with us are Gia Peoples and Leslie Mossy from, Mossy from the Ebony Anglers. They're an all-ladies team that took first place in the King Mackerel Division of the uh, Carteret Community College uh, Foundation Spanish Mackerel and Dolphin Tournament back in uh, North Carolina. They're Winning mackerel was 48 pounds. Ladies, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. I think that's Thanks King Mackerel, not Spanish mackerel. Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome back, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> Thanks. That, yeah, I'm sorry. Hey, uh, you got to tell me, 48 pounds, uh, for that part of the world, is that a good-sized fish, a medium-sized fish, uh, a really memorable fish, or what? That's a pretty memorable fish, uh, and uh, we actually, when we got back to the shore, um, we were awarded a citation from the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. There was a representative there um, who felt that our catch was worthy of such a coveted award. Um, I believe that the largest caught in North Carolina, the largest king caught in North Carolina was upwards of over 80 pounds. So I don't know where our 48-pounder falls on that list, but they thought it was worthy enough uh, to give us a citation. And there aren't many that are awarded each year, so we really um, felt honored, especially with this being our first tournament. My guest here in the studio, Rob Tressler, has a question. Rob? I just wanted to say I lived in Galveston, Texas, and fished for King, King Mackerel down there for years, and I caught hundreds of them. And I never came close to catching one that big. Down off Galveston, if you caught a king oh, over wow. 45 pounds, it was a once-in-a-lifetime. 50-pound uh, kings yeah. down there are not that common. That's really a trophy fish. And even on the Atlantic seaboard, that's a that's an outstanding fish. Wow. Thank you for that context, Rob. Thank you. Yes, yes. At the tournament that day, there were several kings that um, – were weighed in as well, but I don't know that any of them were greater than maybe 25. Yeah. They were all around maybe in the 25-pound yeah. range or so. So, yeah, we felt very honored uh, to turn in such a catch. That is the typical size you'll get is 20 to 30 pounds. Anything over 35 pounds is a, is a moose, and anything, anything approaching 50 is 
really, uh, you know, that's a that's a baby wahoo without stripes, like Stan was saying. Yeah. Wow. You know, you know, I can I can tell you right now why that eighty year old skipper was hopping. And skipping. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, brother, I never ca- I caught hundreds of kingfish. I never caught one close to that. Size. Wow. Yeah. Well, late. Ladies, what are your aspirations now? You you've got this notch in your uh, in your pistol handle, and where are you going to go after this? Well, you know, we're just going to keep fishing. Uh, there are some other tournaments that are coming up in October, um, so we're going to continue to practice because we definitely have our sights set on next year's Big Rock tournament. I believe that would bring us full circle. That's where Gia first got the vision. So um, since it's been a a great journey, we might as well keep going. Um, We're going to continue to learn. There's one that's one thing that um, as an educator, um, I've always understood is that we never stop learning. So we're going to continue to read up, learn, study our waters and the species that are that are in these waters here. Um, We really want to model um, and establish, you know, a passion for the outdoor life and for angling and boating, especially in our kids and in the children of, of our community. So that's something that we want to continue to do. You know, do you guys know how correct. to? Yeah, go, go on. Do you guys Wendy. know how to rig up um, your outfits? Do you know how to tie your knots and and all that type of stuff? Um, well, we are definitely still in the process of learning. I, I would say we have um, a basic foundation, um, our strong foundation to get it done. We've been a little spoiled in that um, my husband has been our coach, so <laughs> he does a lot of it for us. Um, but we do have a basic working knowledge of it, and, and our first mate um, does it a lot for us also. So. Um, we, we're dedicated to being a tournament team, especially after this notch in our belt. So we've become students um, of angling, and we're continuing to get out on the water as much as we can, learn as much as we can. So, so do we know it all? No. Do we still have a lot to learn? Yes. But, we, but we're competitors at heart, and we want to know everything we can know to, to win. I'll send you guys some knot tying uh, diagrams that we use out here. Yes. Yes. That's Wendy. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Wendy, you also have to send them some information on the upcoming event uh, on the Texas coast, uh, Babes on the Bay, because these ladies would be fit in perfectly into that event. You guys would have a blast. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a tournament put on by Coastal Conservation Association. And it's a redfish speckled trout tournament. And I put together a team in California and we fly out there and fish in Port Aransas uh, every May. Uh, It's right. uh, I think it's a Mother's Day weekend or right after Mother's Day weekend. And it is a blast. About 1,200 ladies. It's the biggest ladies tournament. Uh, And it is just a blast. Everybody dresses up, has their team outfits, team names. it is so fun and for a worthy cause. Yeah, that is right up our alley. Um, myself <laughs> and Glenda are both beauty, beauty professionals. <laughs> so the dress up part, we definitely have down. <laughs> you know, quickly, ladies, uh, I also read part of your mission statement and you uh, kind of uh, briefly mentioned it before that you've noticed there weren't a lot of 
women and especially women of of color that were participating in the sport of fishing, especially at the tournament level. And you right. wanted to kind of act as as role models and 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 sanitize, you know, women that hey, this is something you can do. Tell us a little bit about meeting that goal that you, that you saw needed to be uh, taken care of. Well, John, I think that what may be, uh, what, like Gia said earlier, you know, women of color have been fishing since the beginning of time, whether it's been to feed our families or if it's been for re- relaxation and leisure or for sport, but not professionally. And I think what may uh, be part of the reason is because sometimes I think the entry fees may outprice um, or uh, intimidate uh, maybe a lot of uh, female anglers and also not seeing uh, female representation, period, across the board or as much uh, throughout the years in some of these tournaments. So um, we have just, uh, thank goodness, established our 501c3. We are official, and um, we'd like to start writing grants, um, getting some grant money in so that we can you know, take groups of women um, and young uh, young people, and to, to you know to 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 compete. We'd also like to eventually form our own tournament, something local, something that uh, is easy to get to, something uh, that the entry fees are not exorbitant, so that uh, women uh, can get a feel for competitive fishing and what it what it entails and and can feel the success on the water and not just fish for leisure and wow, we've had that... so many people reach out to us to say that we have inspired them yeah. to to fish more like myself you know a lot of women are companions to their significant other you know their boyfriends their husband and so they're they're already out there with them um, it's just they've never taken the step to actually get out on the water and do it themselves. And, you know, myself personally, having a competitive nature, I said, okay, if I'm going to be out here with you, honey, I want to know what's going on. Um, and so that, <laughs> that's pretty much what prompted me to, to, to do it and get involved and learn more. So, and, and we weren't afraid. I knew myself and my girlfriends weren't afraid to step up and be those women uh, to represent our community and for other women to see us and affirm that, yes, I can do this too. So as black women, we, we didn't have any problem taking that, that role on mm-hmm. to be the face for our community because we knew we were going to do it and we knew we were going to do it well and we knew we were going to learn all that we could to, to be great representatives for our community. You know, I know that was a noble intention, and especially before you entered this tournament, but after winning it, did you ever imagine that you would get the notoriety that you got for <laughs> for for achieving this uh, this milestone? Because from what I've seen, you've done television, you've done podcasts, you've done, oh, wow. uh, uh, you know, printed media. I mean, you guys have been all over the place, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. We had no idea. We figured we'd look on the North Carolina Wildlife Commission uh, website and see our names and see the 48-pound <laughs> king mackerel, and we, you know, hang the little trophy up and show the kids. But 
No, this has really exploded and it has taken off. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because our children are watching. And not only are they watching the tele, you know, that, you know, their moms and their aunts are on television, but they saw the hard work that went into it beforehand. And I think that's the biggest lesson. The kids saw us sweating, saw us, you know, learning. I um, hurt my hand. And, you know, they're seeing all of the, the, the tough parts of, of what it entails to succeed at something. And so I think that's the biggest lesson. We have one member. Uh, so we're all at different skill levels, of course. Um, and we have one uh, uh, team member who's very, very, you know, green or new to this. And so <laughs> she always says her only goal is to not throw up. If she gets out on the boat and doesn't throw up, it's a victory. And the funny thing is we completely agree with her. But her resilience has been incredible because after the first couple of times, I was like, okay, I know she's going to tap out. I know she's going to tap out. But she said, I'm not tapping out. I'm sticking in here with you guys. And so, you know, she's right there. 540 AM. 540 AM. Needless to say, uh, a step of a thousand, I mean, a trip of a thousand miles starts with the first step. And you got to start somewhere. Now, ladies, we're coming to the end of our time with you. Can you please tell us if we want to find out more about the Ebony Anglers and what you ladies are into and how we can support your foundation? How, how do we go about doing it? We have a website, uh, www.ebonyanglers.com. And there's a place there on the website where you can subscribe and follow our journey. And you can also uh, donate a little bit to our programs, Black Girls Fish and Black Boys Boat, uh, where we are uh, committed to educating the youth in the fundamental, fundamentals of fishing and boating as a sport and a lifestyle. And so, um, th so you can find us there. We're also on Instagram at Ebony Anglers, and we're on Facebook at Ebony Anglers. So we are on social media. We're on uh, we've got that website up and running, and we've got a donation uh, portal as well so that we can, we can start getting some, some funds in and really show these kids a great time. Well, you well, got a picture. Uh, I brought it up. This is Stan. I got the picture up of your, your fish hanging in front of the five of you got gals that are there with your fuchsia color. You have the, the proper <laughs> uh, jersey color already going for you. All you got to do is put logos on there. <laughs> so, yeah. That's and right. I guarantee you, the, the learning process never quits. Every time you go out, I still learn. I was on a five-day trip, just got back. I learned two or three different things again. Every time you go out, it, it's going to be a learning curve, and that's the fun part of this sport. You're going to be able to do this together for the rest of your lives and be like that old captain hopping around in the boat when you catch one. <laughs> well. Gia Peebles and Leslie Mossy, I can't thank you enough for taking some of your Sunday night to be with us, to tell us about the Ebony Anglers. Uh, in this day of all this confusion and no background noise that, that we're hearing, to hear a good news story like this, a group of ladies going out catching fish and trying to teach other young ladies how to go about doing it to improve themselves is a very noble cause. And we want to thank you very much for taking time to share your story with us tonight. Amen. 
Yes, yes, yes. Thank you yes. so much for, for having us, and uh, we look forward to uh, listening from you, to you all and learning more as we continue on. Wendy, we're going to take you up on that base on the bay. We're excited about that. Yes. And we're oh, going to look right. for that information. Right. That's with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, that's Gia Peoples and uh, Leslie Mossy from the Ebony Anglers out of uh, North Carolina. Hey, we got to take a break right now, but coming up next, Jeff Hunt from the Lobster Port. He's going to be with us. Lobster season is just two weeks away. And hopefully we're going to share some information that's going to help you become a better recreational hooper. So stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. Hi. This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that will help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Run Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Welcome back to Rod and Real Radio, everyone. Catherine Miller would be very pleased to hear that Zydeco music. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, again, we want to welcome you back. We want to thank the gals from Ebony Anglers being with us. Stan and Wendy, can you imagine being a fly on the wall on a fishing trip with those ladies? That has to be too much fun. I'm sure it's a hoot. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. That would have been a hoot. <laughs> just listening. I bet you the turn the handle was more than just turn the handle. on <laughs> And I, I, I think uh, uh, it was Leslie. Best comment I've heard in months on the radio is there were no chocolate chips in the cookies. So we wanted to change that. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth. And God love them. Hey, let's get on with our next guest. You know, 2020 has been a day uh, year ever since uh, the beginning of the year where dates almost mean nothing. But you know what? We've got a date coming up in a couple of weeks that is so anticipated that I think everyone has it marked it on uh, marked on the calendar. And that's the opening of lobster season. And what better person to have on the radio show with us to tell us about some of the things we need to know about the opening of lobster season from the lobster port in Oceanside, Mr. Jeff Hunt. Jeff, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Me on, John. Uh, and uh, also nice to chat with you, Stan and Wendy, and uh, hear Rob's in the studio, so that's cool. Uh, looking forward to the next uh, few minutes with you guys and everyone up there at uh, Rod and Real Radio. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the 20th um, or uh, the Beginning of, of uh, October is going to be the third. That's the date to remember. Um, it's going to be 6 a.m. Uh, probably the only date that anyone 
really cares about in the last six months uh, for the most part, I think, right? <laughs> hey, Jeff, you know, the, the thing I've got to ask you, you know, there are bait and tackle stores. There are sporting goods stores. There's all kinds of stores that are devoted to niche things. But you decided to open up the lobster port, and the niche was on, I believe, you know, predominantly bass uh, lobster fishing, but also crab fishing and stuff like that. Whatever got into you to open up uh, a business like this where it seemed like there was just such a limited niche? <laughs> I only wanted to stay busy in the garage when I first started this company. So I did start uh, really just working with uh, commercial lobster fishermen. Uh, I had some guys that were doing a couple different species like uh, crab or shrimp, uh, live fish. And I uh, really kind of just started in 2012 when uh, when I really wanted to just kind of help the guys out because they were all looking for either uh, someone to make all their gear for them or uh, uh, someone to work on the boats. And, and I really wanted to just kind of work on the gear. So I uh, started in my garage 2012 and just kind of expanded from there. And if you'd have told me, you know, a couple of years later, I'd be, you know, servicing uh, sport fishing and, and uh, you know, other other uh, aspects of uh, water, being on the water, and then I thought you were, I you were crazy. But, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, I just started right on the, on the commercial side of it. Um, yeah, and I'm really I'm really pleased to how things are going uh, moving forward. So, yeah, we do a little bit of everything. <laughs> now, in the few years that I've known you and we've had a chance to talk from time to time, I've also learned, though, that, you know, besides commercial lobster traps you are also involved with recreational lobster fishing but on the commercial side also you do uh, uh, crab uh, uh, you know nets and I was surprised to hear that you also did a little bit with spot prawns which is kind of a, a really unique market yeah it's, it's really small here in, in uh, Southern California there's I think only about 19 uh, spot prawns spot spot prawn permits uh, uh, on the commercial aspect, uh, commercial mm-hmm. side of it. Um, and they go all the way up, you know, through, through mid-coast, a little bit further north. Um, and then as you go up further the coast, I think uh, Oregon has a little bit of a market up there too. But, uh, you know, we just have 19, 19 guys down here uh, uh, fishing for those. And and tell let's, let's get a little bit into recreational hooping. And um, mm-hmm. let's start with, the square one or the guys that maybe have uh, been going out for one season and they want to start developing their lobster skills a little bit better. What are some of the recommendations that you can make with regards to hoops, equipment, accessories, and probably one of the most important things is baiting your hoop nets to try and give you the, the best success you can find. Yeah, so I get a lot of people that uh, they're interested in, uh, in just getting started. Um, and uh, these, the first thing I tell people to do is just, you know, uh, make a plan, uh, whether you're going to start either from a pier or if you've got access to uh, either a kayak or a skiff, you know, kind of build your, your program around that. Uh, you can really get in uh, with just, you know, finding some gear online, uh, Craigslist, uh, decide if you like it. If you do, then you can always... Uh, improve your your pieces, whether it's the net, the line, the bait container, the style of or the bait that you're using. Um, maybe you want a bigger kayak. Maybe you want to try it on the stand up paddleboard if you can. Uh, you have a skiff or a neighbor that has a skiff. 
uh, maybe pool some uh, pieces together and, and just go ahead and get on out there. Uh, just just making that first step is, is the big one. And then uh, the learning curve can be pretty pretty good uh, with experience. You can start, you know, in a, in a harbor or a lagoon where it's pretty calm and you can see everything and, and, uh, and have, you know, access to a decent structure. Um, and then, uh, and then from there, just, uh, you know, either add more pieces or, or improve the pieces that you have. You know, if, uh, I want to take up recreational hooping, I don't have a boat. I want to do it from a shoreline. What should I be looking for? I mean, should I be looking for good spots out of pier? But if I'm, in a harbor or something like that, what type of structure should I be looking for? And what kind of a, a hoop net do you recommend I should be using? Uh, you can start with a flat hoop net if you're uh, fishing shallow um, uh, off of a pier or, or maybe have access to a friend's dock or the back of their boat. You know, if they're uh, sitting in there watching TV in the salon or whatnot and you want to throw a couple hoops off the back, just start with something easy like a, a flat hoop net. You can check it every 15 minutes. Uh, they crawl in pretty directly right to the bait container. Um, if you're going to fish uh, from a little bit of a shore, a little structure area, it's a little bit trickier just on the retrieval, uh, just because when you're pulling that net in across the, the rocks or whatever kind of uh, shoreline you have, you have the option of, or the, you have the possibility of the, the, the lobsters scooting out. Um, so, really, anything on a vertical situation is going to be your best bet. Uh, flat nets fish great if you want to pull them pretty uh, pretty rapidly. Uh, I suggest if you're fishing off of a pier um, to check them more more rapidly because as soon as you get uh, any kind of um, like an octopus in there the, on the bait, you're not going to get any lobsters that are going to crawl in there and, and challenge that. Um, and if you're fishing with a with a conical net, give them an extra you know five or ten minutes. Maybe pull them every 25 minutes or every 30 minutes. Uh, just give them a little opportunity. To, climb up over that edge and the conical net is uh it's uh i think for the most part uh is probably your best bet as far as uh when you're pulling it up you know you can you can scratch your nose you can take a drink from your from your can uh and uh, you don't have to worry about trying to recatch that lobster especially if it's got good bait lobster will sit right on that bait container and why did you tell us about uh baiting uh a hoop net uh first of all uh the type of of actually bait holder that we use we see i see that there's cages out there i see uh, mm-hmm. pro bars come out with bait tubes uh there are some things that are illegal uh, you know i've heard people uh, wanting to use pantyhose and that's not <laughs> legal tell us about you know the type of containers that we can put bait in and then some of the baits that you've heard about that people are using that may not have uh, access to the best bait, like maybe salmon heads. Uh, uh, are there other other uh, substances that work? And then how about artificial substances or sprays? Uh, tell us a little bit about that, if you will, Jeff. Sure, definitely. Now, um, this is one of those things where if you're, if you're using a bait and you're doing well with it, um, whether it's something that no one's ever heard of before, like, I don't know, like... Uh, ears or something like that. If, if that's working for you and, and uh, you need to catch some lobsters, you know, certainly stick with it. Uh, my recommendation uh, for anyone just getting started is to use the freshest bait you can. Um, fresh mackerel, fresh sardines, fresh anchovies, you know, right off the bait barge. Uh, if you can use them fresh or if you're catching your own uh, uh, mackerels with uh, sadiki rigs, then uh, certainly go ahead and use those. Uh, best presentation 
on fresh bait or frozen bait um, is that you want to expose as much of the inside parts of the fish as possible. The lobsters don't care too much about the uh, the scales or the skin. Um, from my experience, commercial fishing, if a, if a fish does end up in the trap and it can't make its way out, uh, by the next day, the you know the eyeballs and the, and the stomach is gone. So they're really looking for the softest stuff. So if you can present your bait uh, by uh, by cutting it through the center and, and flipping it inside out, is what I tell people, that's, that, that's the best way to do it. Um, you get all the oils, you get all the loose particles and bits will kind of float into the into the current and uh, let lobsters know that you know something cool is in the area. In the area. And, uh, and to magnify that, you would use uh, some sort of attractant. Uh, we, we recommend the, uh, the Bite-On uh, Elite Lobster uh, spray here or the pads. Uh, that really is more like a bacon smell. Down current, so if you're fishing next to structure and, and uh, the current's going into the rocks or the, the kelp or the pilings of a pier, uh, it's gonna it's gonna you know pull those lobsters out, especially the curious ones. Um, as far as the bait containers, this is another thing that uh, uh, you can either make yourself uh, if you're so inclined. A lot of the uh, the professional or the, the commercially made lobster uh, bait containers are a version of what you're making at home already, especially the tube. If you're uh, drilling holes into a PVC tube and capping the ends, then uh, certainly go ahead and do that. Uh, just keep your bait fresh, refreshing it, uh, maybe between every pull. Comar uh, makes a great version uh, that's already uh, got the clips on it and everything. You can you can actually freeze the bait inside of it in a in a freezer bag and store them in your freezer or your chest freezer, and then just bring a couple of them and swap them out. Um, and also, there's another company called Roach Coach. They make a, a, a it's like a locker box uh, version for for bait uh, for for your bait. And if you're using mackerel, sardines, or anchovies, it's got plenty of exposure uh, uh, for the lobsters to get at. Uh, anything inside will float out, uh, oils and, and particles and stuff like that. And then we also make our own bait containers here at Lobster Port. Uh, it's a wire bait, contain, bait container. It's a half-by-half half mesh. It's uh, also seal-proof. Uh, it gives you 100% exposure to the bait. Um, uh with, with really a, no blockage from you know plastic or, or whatnot, uh, it's it's pretty much 100% exposure. And uh, my recommendations on that is if you're going to use a salmon head, which is my preferred bait, uh, cut the salmon head in half and uh, flip it so that the, uh, the 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 meaty part is exposed on the top, and then maybe pack the sides with anchovies, sardines, and mackerel. Uh, you really want to disguise that bait. Uh, what I mean by that is you don't want to let the eyeball or the the shape of the face sticking out because the seal will be able to see that from a mile away. It's uh, almost like a beacon in the night to them. Uh, or like if you if you remember some movies like Pee Wee's Big Adventure when they turn off the lights at the campfire and and uh, all you see is a bunch of eyeballs. That's what they see. So they'll, they'll recognize that. They just focus on trying to destroy that uh, that bait to, or bait container to get the bait out. Um, so that's basically the, a good rundown on the bait. Uh, I prefer salmon heads. Uh, salmon heads are nice because they're durable. Uh, if you're packing it with um, sardines, mackerel, or anchovies, that's going to be more of a broadcast bait. That's going to kind of leave the leave the area, kind of drift off, let the lobsters in the in the area know that something's good, uh, and then also magnify that with the uh, with the uh, scent, uh, the bite on uh, elite attractant. All right. Hey. Uh... Jeff, uh, we got to take a break right now. Can I please ask you to stay a little bit longer? Because 
I know we got a ton more questions to to ask, and I know you've got information to give us <laughs> that we need to know. So uh, we Thank still have a, a few more words to spend here. Can you stay with us? Heck yeah, we got we got we can certainly do that. All right. Hey, we're speaking with Jeff Hunt. He's from the Lobster Port up in Oceanside. We're going to uh, find out more about recreational hooping. And and Jeff mentioned some uh, tools that you can use as a recreational lobster that maybe you didn't hear about. So we're going to want to make sure where you can find out where to get this stuff. So stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and Jeff Hunt and I, we will be back after these commercial messages. Miles around for the grub, but to tell you the truth, that the main attraction is a pretty young thing in a sun dressing cowboy. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality soft plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. 
Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Gotta love California in the summer. Just remember, COVID is still with us. So if you're going to the water, plan ahead. Follow local public health guidelines and make sure everyone wears a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. If that doesn't give you, get you in the mood for crayfish, I don't know what will. <laughs> Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. My special guest in studio here is Rob Tressler. Rob is not only an expert recreational uh, angler, and we're going to be talking later on about going after the big bluefin tuna and other species that are off our coast right now, but Rob is also with the San Diego Blood Bank, so maybe we'll be able to get a few words from him on what's happening at the Blood Bank, too, that we need to, to know about. But right now, in this segment, live from the Lobster Port in Oceanside, we got Mr. Jeff Hunt with us. We're talking about recreational hooping. Jeff, welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, thanks for keeping me on. <laughs> hey, man, it's good information. Now, you know, we were talking a little bit about baits, but then... Let's talk about timing now. I mean, uh, recreational lobster hooping uh, during the day, during the night, uh, how important are tides, how important are moon phases, uh, uh, or do you just go hooping when you can go hooping? That's the best advice right there, John. Just go when you can go. Um, don't don't try to plan too much. Uh, things might change, and then you, you can't make it out. Then you get disappointed or frustrated. But just make sure you get out there uh, as much as you can. Uh, it's a long season. You'll probably find better times that, that uh, work better for your style of fishing. Um, uh, my friends in Team Mud Hen, they like to get out there as much as possible. They like to hit the harbors, uh, which is a little bit easier. You, you can just get right out there and start fishing. Uh, you don't have to you know, trek out for an hour or two or try to break across the, the water to get to Catalina. Uh, so really just get out when you can. Moon phase is important um, when it comes to uh, the, the the fact that uh, at nighttime when you're when you're mostly fishing for lobster, the uh, the, um, the 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 light that's that's uh, cast from the moon uh, tends to illuminate uh, a, a pretty good amount of water down to a certain to a certain depth, uh, and when the when the water is illuminated like that, uh, you know everything likes to eat those lobsters. So the lobsters are still going to be a little reluctant. They may sneak out to, to feed for a little bit, but uh, typically they're going to stay hunkered down. Sheep's head, eels, uh, 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 octopus, you know, they're all out there to eat those lobsters, too, just like we are. Um, wow. So really, uh, get out when you can. Um, if, you, uh, if you're interested in getting onto a boat, uh, someone that can take, take you along for an adventure, uh, uh, charter, uh, there's a couple great... Um, private charters, uh, four or six packs, uh, companies like Pacific Bounty, Sport Fishing, Easy Sport Fishing. Uh, those are two companies I can think of right away. If you're looking to uh, rent a boat to get out on your own, um, my friends over at Slay Day SoCal, 
uh, you can take the whole boat out to yourself, out for yourself. Uh, I think up until midnight, you get it for about 12 hours. Uh, so if you start early, you get back by midnight. Uh, and then down in San Diego Bay, there's a really good uh, a couple, really good couple of boats down there. The Jig Strike and the Alicia. Uh, I think if you did like an internet search on, uh, you know, who can take you out, uh, those all, the, all those groups are going to show up on there. Um, I want to kind of do a little shout out to uh, Slate Day SoCal. They're putting together a little tournament uh, coming up in uh, October. Uh, it's going to be their first one. It's the uh, King of the Harbor. Uh, number two, it's going to be, if you look at their website, um, or if you look at my website, I'll have some information. It's uh, October 24th uh, at night there, uh, Long Beach, right there at uh, Queen's Landing. So uh, take a look into that if you're competitive and, and uh, want to see what that's like. You can go and hang out and cheer on the teams when they come back. Uh, Jeff, we, uh, we've yeah. got Rob Tressley that wants to ask you a question. Uh, yeah, go, okay, uh, Rob. Rob. Hey, Jeff. Um, and I still have that jig you gave me for bluefin tuna fishing from a couple of years ago. I'm going to try it. <laughs> right. The Wrangler. But anyway, um, <laughs> if you're fishing from the piers, are the public piers legal for uh, lobster um, um, lobster hoops? And is it one hoop per angler or what's what's the limit on number of hoops? So, yes, the, the public pier uh, is, is definitely open for, for lobster fishing during the season. Uh, you can fish up to two hoops. Uh, or you can fish, what I like to do is I like to fish one hoop, and then uh, that leaves me a second piece that I can use, whether it's a sabiki rig or maybe the bonita running, so you want to have like a, a bonita ball out there. But you only have two items, whether it's uh, two fishing poles, uh, a fishing pole and a hoop net, uh, actively fishing, or two hoop nets. Um, if you're using two hoop nets, uh, just don't stray off too far. Um, you know, Kind of keep, keep close by and keep checking those pretty often. Um, uh, if you if you don't uh, if you don't stay close by, then someone else is going to check your gear on the pier. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, Jeff, we're talking about uh, recreational lobster hooping, but like all things that are related to ocean fishing, and this is ocean fishing, there's a few legal requirements that have to be fulfilled before we can even begin to throw our first hooping net and. Can you go over some of the things that the fishermen need to have on with them and that they need to get before they venture out and start recreational hooping? Yes, that's right, John. So uh, you're going to need to have a gauge. Uh, the, the, the legal size limit is uh, three and a quarter inches me- measured from, uh, from in front of the eyes uh, with a little, with like a little notch uh, where the horns are. Uh, to the back of the carapace, which is the hard part of the uh, the back of the, the spiny lobster. Uh, every angler uh, on a boat is going to need to have one of those, and every angler on a pier or uh, other structure is going to need to have one of those. Uh, it's not a bad idea to have a second one uh, stowed away somewhere just in case, or a third or fourth even, uh, in case you're out of rhythm measuring lobsters and you toss your, your gauge in instead of the lobster, which has happened before. Um and then uh, if you're fishing from a vessel where you're, where you're required to have a, a buoy, you need to have your go ID number uh, written legibly across the buoy. Uh, I, I believe it's one-inch letters, uh, just so it's easy to read. Um, and if you've got a couple guys in your boat or, or family members, uh, uh, it's not a bad idea uh, to have everybody's number uh, on those buoys. And it's been just kind of a sticky situation uh for um, the enforcement policy, uh, as you know, it's uh, it's five hoop nets per angler, 
uh, or 10 hoop nets per boat if you've got uh, two, two anglers with a report card uh, on board. Um, so if you have full of anglers or all three anglers got their numbers on the, uh, on the buoys, and that, that uh, kind of simplifies the, any kind of inspection process. The report card you have to have, uh, whether you're uh, underage or uh, uh, juvenile, uh, you have to have that report card. Uh, an adult has to have their report card. Uh, if you're 16 and under, uh, you, don't need, you don't need to have your license with you, but you do need to have that um, that report card. I believe those are the three the three items. Uh, if you're fishing from a pier, you don't need to have that top buoy uh, because basically you're still attached to your gear uh, if it's if it's on the rail. But it's not a bad idea to maybe put uh, some sort of markings on the. Uh, on the uh, the bridal buoy, which is that little one that keeps the ropes from flinging the lobsters out of the trap. Tell us a little bit more about that report card, Jeff, because a lot of people don't know the importance of it and do not know what maybe some of the penalties are if by any right. chance you haven't submitted last year's report card. The uh, lobsters are are uh, are. Uh, are like one of our treasured species here in Southern California. So the, well, the commercial guys, when they catch their lobsters, they have to do a transfer ticket. Um, so that fish and wildlife uh, can keep track of how many lobsters are caught on the commercial end. The, uh, the report card for the sports side is a stock assessment tool. Um, when you go out fishing, you're required to fill out the first four spots on the report card, which are basically the date, uh, the location you're fishing, the, the type of gear that you're using. And then uh, when you're finishing up and you're heading back to the car, you're heading back to the pier, the, the launch ramp, then you fill out how many lobsters you filled out. Uh, and at the end of the year, that, that all gets tallied up, and then uh, uh, the, the state can assess the, uh, you know, how much of an impact the, the season was on, the, uh, on, the, on lobsters, the, the state resources there uh, for that species. Um, so it's all very right. important to have that filled out. If you If you don't fill it out, it's pretty much going to be the first thing they they, uh, they check if you're getting inspected or, or uh, stopped at the pier on the way in. Uh, keep that together with your fishing license or your driver's license because they're going to want to see that as well, too. Now, I heard there's a penalty that they are assessing <laughs> uh, people that try and get the cards this year if they did not submit cards last year. And if the uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife can put it together, hey, you got a card still uh, withstanding. Uh, have you heard what that is? Yeah, so at, at the at the store level, wherever you go to get your, your fishing licenses or your your report cards, um, that's where that's where the, the penalty st- uh, kicks in. So if you're going to uh, get your new license, your new report card, uh, either here at the LP Fishing Supply or wherever you like to go, um, if you didn't submit that uh, report card uh, in a timely manner at the end of the season last year. It'll automatically tack on. I believe it's twenty one dollars, twenty one sixty, onto the onto this year uh, moving forward. So yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a penalty. And and Jeff, just tell us about you know the taking of the lobsters itself. There are male lobsters, there are female lobsters, and uh, a lot of times when you look under uh, the tail of lobsters, you can tell that there's a lot of young there and everything like that. Is there any protocol for catch and release lobsters, even if they are legal size? So this is one of those uh, questions where it's really up to the angler to do what they want to do. There's some species that require you to release all females, whether I think it's Dungeness crab, 
Uh, however, for, for lobster, the, the reproductive season is already over by the time our season starts for um, at the beginning of October. Um, so you might see a, a, a female lobster that has the, the eggs all still there, and, uh, and the, it kind of looks like caviar. Uh, it's up to you whether you want to keep them or not. Pretty much those eggs are not viable at that point. Um, but it feels good to let them go, especially if you're having a pretty good day or a pretty good season. Go ahead and let them go. Um, when, when I worked in the commercial boat, we used to take them over to the Hoya and, and uh, put them in the reserve on the way in um, just to give them a little bit of a chance to, you know, maybe get another season or two out of them. Um, the way you can tell the difference between the males and the females is the uh, females, when you flip them over on their back, they've got uh, larger spinnerets, which are the, 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 the leafy-looking uh, aspect of the of the tail section uh, that cover the young and the uh, males have a, a much smaller uh, spinneret there, um, almost like the size of a thumbnail versus the size of the, uh, I don't know, like pretty much your, the, the, I don't know, <laughs> like a soda cap or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. It's up to you whether you want to release those, uh, those females. Or not. You know, you got to answer me the question that uh, I, I get here uh, asked a lot and they say, man, if you catch one of those big lobsters, like something that's uh, double digit, you don't want to be eating that because it it's stringy, it doesn't taste good or anything else like that. So, you know, just toss that guy back. Uh, can you confirm for us the difference in the taste between a double digit lobster and a lobster that's just a little bit over legal size? I'm, I'm going to let you know a little secret here, John. I'm allergic to lobsters. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pretty good. That, so, yeah. Is that but to my understand, or touching? I understand that, uh, that it's, it's not that far off, uh, depending uh, on the size of the lobsters. It's, it's not enough that, you know, you're not going to turn it down. Uh, however, it's really your own personal decision whether you want to you know, keep those. There's no slot limits for lobsters. Uh, pretty much anything goes. Um, a lot of people like to take pictures with their big lobsters and then release them. A lot of people, I think, just like to hold on to them, too. Sounds like a deal. Now, Jeff, uh, we talked a little bit about the lobster port. Tell us how people can uh, find out more about the products you have, because I'm always amazed because, you know, I think, okay, this guy's going to have some hoops and maybe some cages and ropes and a couple of gauges, but you get into the whole thing. You've got the scents. You've got boots. You got slickers. You've got foul weather gear. I mean, you've got everything, and even beyond what people think they need for recreational lobster hoopers. Tell tell us a little bit about how we can find out what's at the lobster port and how we can get a hold of you. That's true. So we do carry everything, and I, and I, I pretty much have them throughout the whole season. Uh, another important piece uh, that I've gotten more into over the last couple of years is a, is a good headlamp. Uh, being able to see what you're doing, working hands-free with uh, lighting is very important. Uh, but to find us, we're all the way up here in Oceanside, uh, only a few minutes from the harbor, uh, right, right by the 5 and the, and the 76 station, or uh, 76, the 76 uh, uh, highway. Um, carry all that stuff, uh, boots, rain gear, gloves, uh, all the all the tackle you'll need for that. Um, we also have everything online. Uh, a lot of the smaller stuff will ship for free on a fifty dollar order. I can't really ship uh, hoop nets for for free, but I believe it's uh, anywhere from twenty eight to forty four dollars. If uh, if you're in a situation where you can't find something local, we can certainly uh, uh, ship some stuff like the 
you know, the, the, all three of the sizes of the Promar hoop nets. Um, if you're interested in, in uh, having us bring your gear up, we'll certainly put everything together for you, show you how to use it, uh, you know, how long you're going to need your rope, uh, uh, give you little tutorials on, on where to put the nets when it comes to uh, the currents. Um, we're trying to cover as much of the, the basic stuff tonight, but we can really get in depth, uh, you know, face to face here at the at the shop. And it's a pretty big place. We got a 5,000 square foot uh, building, and uh, we're either making traps uh, for the commercial guys or, or got some sort of big project going on. So it's kind of fun to see. Uh, got some giant goldfish uh, that you can check out. <laughs> Uh, pretty much a little bit of eye candy for for all. Uh, Don't for, use them for bait, Jeff. You <laughs> can't use them for bait. Oh, yeah, Jeff. I no, implore no, people. No, I can't. <laughs> my, they, if, they all got names. I can't use those for bait. Yeah. <laughs> if if you are a recreational hooper, I implore you to go up and see Jeff up there. Make the trip up to the Lobster Port or down from Southern California. Go through the facility because. You're going to go through the aisles, and you're going to be seeing things that Jeff has that you 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 know that you've had a problem with, and you didn't know that there was someone that came up a sol- with a solution for that problem, and that's <laughs> why it's good to go up and see you. So, Jeff, what are your hours of operation? And, again, tell us the best way to get a hold of you. 24-7 online. Uh, you can call us. Uh, we got our phone numbers on the website but it's seven six zero seven two two eight seven two seven uh hours of operation are tuesday through friday um uh right now it's uh, uh nine o'clock until six we'll see what happens during lobster season i might change that to a little bit earlier or a little bit later on weekends i'm here from eight until four o'clock uh saturday and sunday but uh take a look online We've got everything there so yeah all right <laughs> jeff i know we couldn't cover Every aspect of recreational hooping, that's why we have an expert like you around and people can get a, can get a hold of you. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your wealth of information with us. And we look forward to seeing you real soon. And we want to wish you a successful season. And if you will, let us get a hold of you during the season and you can tell us how it's going, what the trends are, and if there's anything new that we need to know about. You're going to be the guy to give us the info. Sounds good. I enjoyed that uh, that midseason uh, uh, report that we did last year. So, yeah, definitely anytime, John. All right. Jeff Hunt from the Lobster Port in Oceanside. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break right now. But coming up next, Stan has been on a few long-range – has been on a long-range trip since we last heard from him. We've got Rob Tressler here, who with Lori Heath are – almost continually on a trip. I'm surprised he's even here for this weekend. (laughs) We got Wendy that's going out on the legend next week. We're going to find out what's happening on the offshore scene from guys that have been out there for the past, uh, uh, in the past few days to get up to the date, up to the minute information on what we need to know. So stay tuned. Run Real Radio will be back after these messages. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands. 
And if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble, Greg, or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419, or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Rod Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes. Now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. Boy, if there are any parts of you that are not moving and shaking with that music, then uh, you are dead. So welcome back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg, Winnie Toshahar, and myself want to welcome you. 
Our special guest with us here in the studio is Rob Tressler. A lot of you who go fishing on a lot of the boats out of the uh, local landings here in San Diego know Rob and Lori. They go out in every boat and uh, that's, uh, you know, you know, afloat right now. And Rob, we want to welcome you to the show. Uh, You've got some uh, up-to-the-date information for us on what's happening with Bluefin and a few other things that we may need to know from the recreational angler standpoint. So welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Um, Lori and I have been going out on the day-and-a-half trips pretty much every weekend that we can. And uh, the bites have been variable. Sometimes we get into really good bites and sometimes not. Um, What's been interesting this year is the... The, the variability in the size of the tuna, everything from 20-pound up to 150-pound fish. Between the two of us, already this year, we've caught over 65 bluefin, ranging from 30 to 150 pounds. So for us, it's been a good year. Uh, recently, it's gotten a little more spotty, but I think that's in part because the weather's been pushing the boats out of the zone where they'd be, or as the case was for us last weekend on the Aztec on a 1.5 day, uh, the Navy kept us out of the zone. We wanted to fish until almost 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we slid in on some four schools. Uh, three of them didn't respond to the bait. The fourth one did. And we all hooked up, and we managed to put several fish on the boat, although there were a lot of casualties. On the casualty front, the one thing that I'm, I'm starting, I've learned from Danny Wade and others far more knowledgeable than me is, we talk about bluefin being leader shy, and, and I'm sure that there's some truth to that, but what I've noticed is that if you've got a really hot, strong bait, you can fish heavier line. It's, it's a, I tend now to focus more on what condition the bait is in on the boat. And if the bait is in strong condition, I typically try to avoid getting below 40 pounds. That way I've got a shot if I hook 120-pound fish, but I'm still hooking 20- and 30-pound fish. Um, the weather uh, kind of chased the boats off of the, the bank up by Tanner and stuff. Uh, they say that the tanner bites faded, but more so I think it's just the boats haven't been able to get up there and, and scout around for it. The one thing that has been in place and consistent that I talked to some of the commercial guys and some of the skiff friends, Terry Clayton and others were filling me in, and Travis up at Oceanside, they've been wrecking the, the, big, the big tuna the cow, up at Cowtown, which is on the weather side of San Clemente. When you can get up there and fish that zone, if you're willing to travel, those big fish are there. And... We're not sure exactly why, but and, and I like Wendy Merritt should look into this, but I did some looking into it out of my own curiosity. One of the larger spawning areas this time of the year for the Pacific flying fish is the least, the weather side of San Clemente up into Catalina. And there's a lot of flying fish up there, and we know that those big bluefin like to eat it. And that typically for that bigger grade fish is what you've been having to do is use a, a kite or a balloon with a frozen flyer underneath it to get those big ones to bite. The big hot news for me that I'm really excited about that um, Danny Wade filled me in on Wednesday because he played hooky and went fishing and I couldn't, although we're going to go this coming Wednesday, is the yellowtail bite off the La Jolla Kelp. Uh, the new Seaforth, Brian Ke- oh yeah, new Seaforth went out and the day Danny was on the boat, they put 31 yellowfin from 15 to 25 pounds on the boat. No, yellowtail or I yellowfin? Mean, I mean yellowtail. Yes. I'm sorry, yellowtail. And a good grade yellowtail. And Danny caught him on surface iron, which makes my palms sweaty because I'm, <laughs> I'd am i rather catch a surface iron yellowtail than a 50-pound bluefin. I love bluefin fishing, but surface iron yellowtail is amazing to me. And they caught 43 yellowtail 
Friday on the new Seaforth on the half-day afternoon trip. And they've been catching anywhere from 14 to whatever. Um, so that's starting up down there and, and starting up now. That's starting to show up in that area. And, and uh, we're going to find out this Wednesday if it holds up. Uh, Lori and I are going on a 2.5-day charter this Friday on the Pacifica. So we're going to bring some frozen flyers and balloons with us and see if uh, during that area, when we get up into the area, it's a bluefin or bus trip, if we can uh, get into some of those giants as well up there on that boat. Um, the Calico Do you guys have bike, any room on that trip? Uh, we're, it's booked solid. I wish you could come. Okay. we got a bunch of flyers. I've got balloons. I'm bringing a helium tank. Uh, that's how <laughs> this has there become an affliction. Well, you know, what can I say? It's become <laughs> our affliction. Addiction. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're doing that. We, the one thing I want to tell people, if you want to do that, clear it with the captains and clear it, clear it with the charter master before you venture into that. Because, you know, they may have their own situation with their own kites and balloons they want to manage. And some are comfortable with it and some are not. So make sure you check first before you, you do that. But if you can... I mean, what we do is if we hook a giant, the understanding is, is we'll donate it to the boat. We just want to catch it on our own gear, set up our own system, our own gear, and fish it ourselves. Uh, we're just hard-headed that way. Um, the fish that you're catching on the bluefin is beware if you fish light. Guys, uh, we, I was on the Aztec a couple, uh, two and a half, three weeks ago with Lori, and we hooked nine fish. And they were all that 80 to 100-pound-plus stuff. We only put one on the boat because everybody that the eight of the nine that were hooked were hooked on 25 to 30 pound fluorocarbon top shots and they all broke off. The one guy that caught one and it was me, but so what? I was fishing 40 pound. And even though it doesn't sound like a big difference, fishing 40 versus 30 makes a huge difference in being able to pull on. I put that fish on the boat in 35 minutes. Other guys were on their fish with 30 pound for an hour and 15 minutes and eventually they chafe off. Right. You know. Hey, uh, uh, Stan, I want to hear about what you did on the Top Gun 80 because you're just back from a trip there. But, Wendy, before we get Stan's report, you got a trip coming on up this week that uh, you may want to tell our listeners about because I understand you got a few spots that, that people can uh, travel with you on, and that's this is going to be a fun trip. Yeah, it is going to be a fun trip. Uh we're going to be on the Legend. It's an Iserline sponsored trip. It's a day and a half freelance on uh, the 22nd through the 24th. And uh, if you want to hop on board and go fishing with us, you can give the landing a call at 619-222-1144. Or you can email info at hmlanding.com. Or you can check out uh, Legend Sport Fishing. Um, on their website, and uh, we're the first trip that's up there coming up next. Yeah, now Merritt McRae's coming with you, is he not? I believe so. Oh, I thought he was. Oh, man. Okay, uh, we're not sure yet. We are, we're, we're, we're having <laughs> difficulty finding a dog sitter. And what's the duration again of that trip, uh, Wendy? It's a day and a half trip on the Legend. All right. Now, Stan, you just come back from uh, a trip on the Top Gun 80. It's your first venture out since your shoulder surgery. So tell us, I know you had to be maybe a little apprehensive. How did it go for you? Well, you know, it was <laughs> to, to be excited was under. That's an understatement. A uh, couple of things happened. St. Croix got 
some new sticks that they wanted us to try here on the West Coast. I've been bugging them for the last couple of years because I took their musky rods or eight foot musky rod because when I watch these guys with a musky, they're throwing six to eight to 12 ounce lures out there and then getting these muskies to come up right next to the boat. Next thing you know, they're doing figure eights right off the side of the boat and they hang this 40 pound or 50 pound musky right next to the boat and they put it into a full on bend and it, and it hangs the, the fish and doesn't break the rod. So I, I took one that uh, it, it was what they call an 80 MF or major MH rather medium heavy and been fishing 40 with it for Wahoo and tuna for the last couple of years. I got them to now they're making what they call the Mojo series and and it's an eight foot musky rod. We took two of them, uh, a medium heavy and a and a, and a medium, out there and fished the bluefin with them. And they worked absolutely phenomenal. It's a saltwater version of the Mojos. And we were the first fish I caught on the the with thirty pound on the uh, on that Mojo was a fifty four pound bluefin, which wow. and it had plenty of lift. Um, we were throwing everything like normal. The, we went out on a Friday night and and started fishing the bigger fish on that Friday night. We got a couple of fish to bite the flat falls. Didn't quite get on it. But the next day we got on, you know, the foamers that we normally see. And there's a technique that I learned actually in Australia. These guys would fish from the shore and they would throw a sinker. <laughs> that's it with a hook on it. And uh, a lot of this stuff we're looking at that's foaming around out there. You got to you're trying to figure out how to get short on on your baits because the baits not the stuff that they're foaming on is little tiny stuff. But if you can get a four or five ounce sinker chrome and take your mark slots purple black or blue and mark up your your weights your four ounce sinker put a gamagatsu swivel on it and a and a gamagatsu siwash hook on the bottom and fishing on 40 or 50 you can throw those things a cat and pick and mile because they're they're small and it's basically a bullet going through the air and, and let it sink out and got fish on that the other trick was I learned oh, last year was take if you're fishing a sinker rig, take that blue marks lot and and mark your sinker up half blue or all blue or all purple or something like that. So it's it's not just a shiny thing that's sinking down while you're fishing your bait and get it into your fish on this on the when you're on the the soak where you got to get a, a sinker rig down and you pin your sardine from the chin up through the nose, not sideways that way. Uh, that's your better way to catch that fish. And some, for some reason, that colored sinker makes a difference. When we got on the, the night bite, we got onto a spectacular uh, night bite on those blue fins. We were the only boats in the fleet that got them, actually. And we were using that. You got to remember, the, 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 we found that Leadmaster's 500-gram flat fall, fall flat jig that they make a year or two ago made a huge difference because you could get it down below the fish in a faster manner. And, you know, we've been using PL68s and that other stuff for years, but this thing weighs a pound and some change. It would get down there quick and you could let it plane up through the fish with a slow grind and you could catch that fish. Our biggest fish actually came on that. We didn't get any of the giants. We couldn't, we didn't get on that stuff. 
but we had them up to 83 pounds, I think, was our biggest fish for our ensemble Gonzalez. It was his birthday, too. It was a cool deal. But everybody was hanging fish on the 250, that 200 to 250 grain anything bait that had some glow to it at night. The other part we, we got on, too, is that night fishing. When we got onto that fish, uh, you're fishing 40, 50, maybe even 60. Uh, ties straight to the fish. I mean, we weren't on the big ones, but that 30 to 80 pound fish was plentiful and it wanted to eat and, and everybody would get multiple fish. You get more than one a lot of the time. Even the, the Colt Sniper and or the Snipper from Leadmasters <laughs> yep. in the 150 or something like that because it's skinnier and it, it sinks faster was getting bit also. So if you get it's the key is getting it down into the realm where the fish are during the day, they wanted that more chromy anchovy style color and, or the blue and white stuff. They you know they would work too on the, if you're casting into those foamers, but, but that worked really well when we were fishing bait. Uh, I went to the number one Gamagatsu live bait, the they make the best J hook in the world, uh, and they make the best period tuna hooks in the world. That Nautilus is great, but we had to downsize and downsize until you figured, you know, because they're so line shy. Sometimes at some point in time, you're having a fish like, like he was saying, you know, twenty five or thirty pound line to get the bite. But even at that, you couldn't use a two-aught. They wouldn't bite it. So we went down to, or I went down to, I had a several pack, 25 packs of so the number one Gamagatsu live baits. They're heavy duty. And we had fish, 60, 70, 80-pound fish, eat that thing. And it hangs in there, and it doesn't bend, it doesn't break. And there's other hooks that say 2X or 3X, whatever strong, that they have had multiple breaks on their hooks. And I'm not going to name the brands, but I'm just going <laughs> to stick with what I got. Let me guess. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> well, you don't need to guess. If you've been out there, you've heard. But I'll tell you what, those little number one J-hooks from Gamagatsu were killer on this stuff that was out there. And then we got into the yellowtail. We went into the island. They, you know, they had kicked off the island for a while, like he was saying. And and uh, we went into the island, and Bobby took us in there. We got on that 20 to 30-pound yellowtail. Um, you, you'd hook 12 land one because of the area that they were in. And that it was wind against current. It was a little tricky. So you'd, you'd pitch, put the anchor down, and then it would the throw a bait in the water, it would go up off the anchor and straight up the line. You'd hang the fish maybe 100 yards from the boat, and it's 80 feet deep, and, and you couldn't keep the boat in the deeper water. They wanted to be off the deep side, but there was kelp close enough that you'd hang you'd hang the fish, and you didn't have trouble with that little hook. It s sticks really, really well and doesn't bend. you got to have these things. They're a tool. Uh, but drying the get one on the boat was the trick and you could fish up the 40 pound line with that even with that small hook but stay small you'll get bit a bunch more you and know stan, it, stan it's amazing uh, people coming into the shop here and they say hey i, I hear they're uh, biting small hooks so we take them over to the uh, gamagatsu hook section and show them the 184 series which is gamagatsu's j hook 
and maybe something in a in a one, a two, or a four, or we show them the 004 series, which is Gamagatsu's heavy duty J hook, or we even show them the uh, the 424 series, which is Gamagatsu's circle hook, and they look at that hook and they go, "How big of a fish am I going to catch on that thing?" And <laughs> what you're saying is true. Gamagatsu hooks are made to catch big fish and you can if you need to go to a smaller hook you want to have one of those series of hooks on your line and tied up especially if you don't have that strong bait like uh, Stan is talking about where you don't want to you know burden that thing down with a a two-odd or a three-odd heavy-duty hook the gamakatsu hook is the way to go yeah but Rob yeah and hold on you you hit a key point uh, Stan there's two ways to downsize for the tuna. Uh, people think, well, downsize, and they automatically think, well, let me put smaller diameter line or lighter line on. Well, no, not necessarily. Sometimes keep the same line pound test you need because you're right, the gummies are – I've caught on a number fours. I've caught yep. a 50-pound bluefin, okay? No problem. Uh, yes. But holy moly, you know? I mean, it's just a matter of getting it tucked into the corner and getting purchased because that's a tiny hook, but they don't bend. But there's two ways to downsize, and I was telling guys that because guys were, okay, I'm going to downsize to 25-pound, but they still had a 3 aught Super Mutu instead of, uh, you know. And I said, no, 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 keep the line the same. Put a smaller hook on. There's two ways to downsize. One is a smaller hook. One is uh, your line, you know, and think about it. Think about your bait and what it's doing relative to the hook. Wendy, let's talk a little bit about connections because a lot of We had everybody – on the on the boat i mean i had several packs of those little ones and guys are going well why are you getting like every cast you're getting bit i go well um it's not rocket science guys put this thing in and i was collar hooking the 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 bait where you've got it's not oversized bait a lot of time i'm not worried about whether the the hook is going to get in the fish. I want to get the fish to bite it. And if you collar hook them with that little number one, you don't, they don't see it. It's riding on their back. And that was really the right way to, to fish all of that stuff, whether it was yellowtail or, and they wanted a little piece of fluorocarbon, you know, get that little, that little stealth thing out there. But I was fishing 40 and getting bit as much as I was fishing 30 and 25 on the yellowtail, especially. But that blue fin they like they don't want to see the hook try this i mean rob's rob and i have both been out there a bunch wendy too but get that little hook and try it from gamagasu you will not be uh, dissatisfied i promise wendy let's talk a little bit you know rob and uh stan have been talking about downsizing and let's talk a little bit about connections because everyone is wanting to put on you know, Iserline, brutally uh, strong, 65-pound, uh, 80-pound, uh, going up to 100 pounds. What are some of the connections, though, that you're recommending to make to the uh, fluorocarbon lines if you're, let's say, downsizing and maybe just using 40-pound uh, or whatever it is that you decide that you need to catch these fish? Well, it all depends. If you're going to use a long top shot and it has to go through your guides, then I like to use the modified Slim Beauty knot, which is also the Tony Pena or the Bob Sands knot. Um, When I put that knot on the line testing machine, it's the strongest knot connection knot that I've tested out of all the knots, even the John Collins or the Albright. So, but it also depends on how many turns you have. 
Um, I like that knot because it's a tapered knot that goes through your guides. It doesn't get hung up in your guides when you cast. Now, if you're going to be using a shorter leader that doesn't have to go through guides, you can easily use a surgeon's connection, which is fast and gets you on the water. You don't have to think about it. It's easy. You do four or five turns um, and you're done. Um, but uh, I like those two knots the best as far as connections go. How about when you're tying on to a hook, Wendy? Are you using the same knots for tying onto your hooks as you are tying on your rings that you would find on a flat fall or a colt sniper or a snipper or something like that? Yeah, I like to use the San Diego Jam or the Uni. Um, I find that the higher the pound test, I like to use the Uni knot because when you get to 80 pounds or 100 pounds, even 60, you only you only need four turns. When you get to 100 pounds, you only need three turns. So now you have a smaller profile knot that's really strong. All right. And how long do you do you do you leave that tag end on that knot a little extra long, or do you cut it short, or what? I cut it short. Okay. I, if if you're uncertain on how how you tied your knot, and I would leave a little longer tag in. Now, Stan, we no. were let's go back to hooks. We were talking about the uh, Gamakatsu hooks. Uh, obviously, Gamakatsu also makes a great line of ringed hooks. Uh, are you finding any advantage of the ring J or the ring Nautilus hooks or the ringed heavy duties as opposed to the unringed hook? If I'm if I'm fishing, it really kind of depends on your bait and what the fish want. A lot of the time right now, they're not looking for big. You don't want big. <laughs> they, they don't want that, you know, the horse sardine. They want that smaller version. They're eating anchovies out there. So a lot of time, that littler, hotter, you know, four to six inch bait that's green and, and it'll swim hard. What Rob was talking about, and you get a good one that can get away from the boat. And and you've got that little hook riding on the, on its back, you know, you call it hook the bait, so you don't see it. That gives you your best shot at. And it's, I'm I tell the, the gang that I'm when I'm teaching them out there, I go, look, every single quarter, you know, a millimeter of a, of of whatever weight you can shave for that little bait to get away from the boat, the better, because your fluorocarbon. It's a it's a stiffer line than monofilament. It has a different tick. It has different all kinds of different ways to bend. It doesn't like to bend. It doesn't like to to be tied as in a tight knot necessarily. But when you when you cinch down on that small hook, I don't like the ring because the ring is just another quarter. I mean, a little bit more weight that that little bait has to carry. So I fish. No rings on small baits. If you're fishing two mackerel and you're down there, you know, on the lower banks or clarion or whatever, no, now you can't fish clarion, but uh, over out in that arena where you're fishing two mackerel and you got to pin that thing through where you're fishing a four-odd four or five-odd hook, doesn't make any difference. No Unless right. the bait is small. But if you're fishing this stuff up here, no rings. I like no rings. Uh, to keep the weight off the baits back. Rob, what uh, what tips can you give the fishermen? Because Stan obviously uh, went out on a multi-day trip, and on the multi-day trip, you don't feel the urgency to have to be on the rail 14 hours a day in order to catch your fish, as you might have to feel on an overnight 
day and a half or something like that. So what tips quickly can you give us in the time that we have left that uh, you can give uh, the recreational fishermen that are going out right now on these type of trips? Well, the and I got one thing, more. Yeah, the, the critical thing is um, you're not going to have a lot of uh, opportunities right now. The, the schools aren't always hitting. So be prepared when he says stand by. That means you should be at the bait well, at the at the hand well. You should have already scoped out the sardine that you want along with the other 20 gentlemen. Get your bait. And frankly, you know, um, I don't have the eye. I, I, I try the bait and I have a 10 second rule. When I put that bait in the water, if it's not Holland Brownie away from the boat, it's done. So the biggest thing I do is more so than almost anybody else on the boat by a factor of two or three is I change my bait. Uh, yep. That's the best the number one biggest thing. Guys say, how come you catch so many fish, Rob? How come you get bit so much? I change my bait three times more than you, which means effectively I'm giving myself three times more presentations. And when I've got a good bait, you know it. I mean, they nearly pull drag. You know, yep. um, I use a shoulder hook. I also uh, I use the San Diego jam like Wendy does. But to get to mitigate, but still, I believe that having some freedom between the line and the hook facilitates the swim so what i do is i do a jam knot and i cinch it down but i leave just a tiny opening between the bottom of the jam and the hook as a loop and i've caught 150 170 pound bluefin doing that and never had the the knot fail because it cinches down when the line loads up if you've tied the knot properly so that's my you know that's what i do instead of uh, i don't cinch down tight to the hook especially with these smaller baits and if it's a if it's a finicky bite, but get on the rail and change your bait. Here's Stan, we're, here's we're coming to an end, so just a couple know, more words here. What, what Wendy is saying, and when you're tying your your spectra to your your Bob Sands knot or, or or any other knot, the RP knot, you can use this. Take your chapstick on your spectra, put your thumb on the top of your chapstick, and run it down about 14 inches. Smooth that chapstick into your spectra because a lot of that stuff is really raspy. It'll it'll burn your line when you cinch down. Tie your RP knot five down and five back. Tie your tie your Bob Sands knot, Tony Pena knot, either way, whatever you're gonna do, ten down, ten back. When you cinch that up, hold on to your monofilament and then cinch up from your spectra side first. Once your spectra gets tight and holds it, when you tighten that up. You will see it go opaque and clear on your knot. It almost lacquers the knot and then clip it, everything, your monofilament and your spectra close to the knot. It is smooth going through, and you will not break that off. Okay, Wendy, uh, we're uh, just a few minutes away from having it jump off. So you've got a trip coming up. Tell us uh, what the trip is all about and how do we get on it? Um, That would be the legend. Um, it's coming up on the 22nd through the 24th, and you could get a hold of H&M Landing or LegendSportFishing.com. All right. Hey, guys, that's it for tonight. On behalf of Stan, Wendy, Bob, Tres- uh, Bob Rob Tressler, thanks a lot for being with us. And Melvin, thanks a lot for filling in with Otto while he was gone. So did a great job. Ben Harvey, our uh, local producer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune. Good night, everyone. We're out for now. We'll be back next week with more Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or Radio Zion. Good night, everyone. We're out.